Hey, it's Jeff here. Before we start the program, I do want to let everybody know that in the interview section, we do have a discussion about suicide. And I know that that can be distressing for some listeners. So if you want, then please do skip that section of the podcast. If you are struggling with any kind of mental health issues at this or any time of year, I hope that you'll reach out for help. There are private and confidential counseling numbers available in just about every country, wherever you might be listening. Thanks, and please look after yourself and those around you. One of the biggest things was the other competitors. So obviously I had a lot of people coming past me on the day. People sort of asking me why I was doing it on a BMX bike. People that had read the story and the backstory about Damo. The triathlon um, environment feels like a very close community. And I, I certainly felt on that bike course that the actual community sort of got behind me, which was, which was amazing. Hello, and welcome to the December 29th, 2023 edition of the TriDoc Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Sankoff, the TriDoc, an emergency physician, triathlon coach, and multiple Ironman finisher, coming to you from beautiful, sunny Denver, Colorado. This is it, the last episode of the year. And as I record this, I find myself looking forward to a new year that will bring with it a lot of uncertainty and a lot of change when it comes to the universe of long course triathlon. I don't think that it is much of a secret that long course racing faces some serious issues. The cost of participation has always been steep, but various forces in the marketplace continue to drive that ever higher, and this is causing a significant drop in participation, particularly in the younger age groups. Without an influx of younger athletes, there will not be a renewal of the sport, and we risk seeing an aging out of long course triathlon with eventual significant shrinkage of the population who participates to some likely tipping point at which it no longer becomes viable to have these events at the size and scale that we've all become accustomed to. To try and combat this, the World Triathlon Corporation, owners of the Ironman brand, have been working hard behind the scenes to reinvigorate their events and build excitement around races, similar to what many of us may remember from when we first got into the sport, certainly if we got into it long enough ago like I did. I'm sure that you all saw the email that came out in the week before Christmas, teasing some of the things that they are promising. Better swag, including better backpacks and finish shirts, and a return to the very popular race flags, will all be welcome, though I can't imagine anyone will sign up for a 70.3 or full just to get one of these items. Still, it is an acknowledgement that many participants value these things, and Ironman should be given props for paying heed to that. In addition, Ironman promises a better overall race week experience, with speakers on site at the expo, longer times for signing in for the events, a signing wall similar to what we see at World Championship events, and a lot of efforts to make first-timers feel welcome, with walkthroughs, swim warm-up areas prior to each event, and get them more comfortable with what they're going to be tackling. For the professionals who race Ironman-branded events, we will all be looking forward to the Pro Point series that promises to bring a level of interest and excitement to professional racing that has been missing for some time. Rather than just waiting for the World Championships at the end of the season, those of us who care about this sort of thing will now have a whole year of races to follow and track as we watch the top pros battle for points and significant prize money. And if you're wondering if the pros care, well, we've already seen the likes of Lionel Sanders posting on YouTube asking his fans 
what kind and which of the events he should participate in next season. So clearly, this is going to be something that pros and age groupers alike are going to be paying attention to. But alas, it's not all good news for 2024. There remain a lot of open questions related to whether or not these efforts will succeed, and a lot of questions related to some other issues in long course racing. First and foremost, what's going on with the PTO? After bursting out of the gate and making a big splash a few years ago, the PTO has made a lot of unforced errors and has very much faded into the background. Rather than try to establish itself as a complement to the WTC as they originally said they would, they instead have tried more and more to go head-to-head, and in so doing, have made several serious mistakes that have left the organization appear at least to outside observers to be seemingly teetering on the brink. With no significant events yet announced for 2024, I have to wonder if the PTO is done or if it's going to limp along for one more season while it tries to sort itself out. There may still be a path forward, but without a significant infusion of cash and some real soul-searching about what it really wants to be, I'm not sure if the PTO can survive in a world where long-course triathlon is already struggling and a dominant player is so well-established. Another piece of bad news, at least in my mind, and I know that not everybody's going to share this opinion, is the takeover of the Ironman University coaching program by the company TriDot. I don't think that I have to spend too much time rehashing my issues with TriDot, but suffice it to say, I have a few. I do not begrudge the company wanting to become a dominant player in triathlon coaching, nor do I think it was a bad decision for either Ironman or TriDot to pay a boatload of money, in the case of TriDot, or to accept that money, in the case of Ironman, to essentially give those rights for all Ironman certified coaches and all the athletes who might want to get coaching as they prepare for an event, basically to TriDot. It makes good business sense for both parties. Ironman gets a cash infusion, which it desperately needs, and TriDot gets uh, access to a lot of potential business. Left out in the cold, though, are all the independent coaches out there who now are being squeezed by the TriDot juggernaut, who will now deliver a coaching certification that essentially seems, at least at the outset, to be all about learning how to use TriDot as a method to generate plans for athletes. This is not only self-serving, but, in my mind, a huge loss to potential coaches because the original Ironman University course was actually really good and a darn sight better than some of the other ones that I've had to take that are out there. I would argue that this is also kind of a big loss to athletes, as TriDot, in my mind, does not offer anywhere near the same level of coaching that having a dedicated personal coach does. And yes, I recognize how that sounds, given that I am a coach myself. But having spoken to many people who have used TriDot and then left to work with a coach, including some of my own athletes, I don't think that I'm necessarily speaking out of turn. Look, a new year is always an opportunity for turning over a new leaf. And as we are seeing, that's exactly what's happening in long course triathlon. A lot is changing. And because of that, there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of angst. We can only speculate at how these changes are going to impact us as individual participants or how they're going to affect the sport as a whole. Time will tell. One thing that you can be certain of, though, is that so long as I'm around, I'm going to be here to tell you about it and how it's going. As 2023 comes to an end, so too does the fourth full year of programs of this show, and it has been an absolute pleasure to bring this program to more and more of you over time. I look forward to continuing the dialogue with all of you. 
bringing you all of the science to help you understand how to train, race, and recover smarter, and more entertaining and insightful interviews with all kinds of people in the world of multisport. Please accept my sincere gratitude to you for accompanying me on the journey for as long as you have, or however long that might be, and allow me to be the latest to wish you the very best for 2024. I look forward to finding out what the year has in store for all of us and multisport as a whole. On the show today, Coach Juliet Hawkman and I are going to look at a product that almost all triathletes love and, dare I say, probably need in their lives, and that's coffee. But it's not just any coffee. Long Run Coffee, you see, is a product sold only online and is promoted as coffee for runners, though, truthfully, it's marketed at all endurance athletes. The Slick website promises a lot of pretty amazing things, and all of those things are attributable to the addition of a magical elixir of electrolytes infused into the coffee beans themselves. Well, rather than have any of my listeners pony up the fairly exorbitant cost in order to try this product, Juliet and I thought that we should examine the claims and the science on this episode's medical mailbag, and that's coming up shortly. Later, I'm joined by Australian age group triathlete Dave Lowry. Now, I'm guessing that most of you have never heard of Dave, but you might have caught wind of what he did at the recent Ironman Western Australia, otherwise known as Ironman Busselton. You see, Dave completed that race on a modified BMX bike, and while that might sound completely crazy, the backstory is anything but. I had a chance to chat with Dave about why he did this, how he made it happen, and what transpired on race day, and that's coming up a little later on, and it's an interview that I promise you're going to enjoy. Before all of that, I want to take a moment to thank all of my Patreon supporters of this podcast once again, who have decided that for about the price of a cup of coffee per month, and I'm talking regular coffee, not the long-run coffee, they could sign up to support this program and in doing so get access to bonus interviews and other segments that come out every month or so. The most recent of those bonus episodes came out just last week and featured a detailed medical segment on the evolutionary trade-offs that come with the use of highly engineered running shoes. That bonus episode and others like it are available on a private feed for all of my subscribers. Plus, for North American subscribers who sign up at the $10 per month level of support, they receive a special thank you gift in the form of a Boco TriDoc podcast running hat. So visit my Patreon site today at patreon.com forward slash TriDoc podcast and become a supporter so that you too can get access and maybe this cool gift as well. And as always, I thank you in advance just for considering. It is December 29th. We are in the final throes of 2023, but we still have time for one last medical mailbag. And, and so I am joined by my longtime friend and colleague, Coach Juliet Hockman. Juliet, how are you? I'm great. Did you have a good Christmas? I had uh, a really nice Christmas. I had to work on Christmas Day, but I didn't start work until five. So got to open up the presents in the morning. We had uh, Christmas liner, as the family likes to <laughs> nice. refer to it. And then I waddled off to work and uh, tried to, to get up off of my chair <laughs> as much <laughs> as I could to go see patients. But it was a really nice day. How about yourself? Yeah, really great. Both of my grown sons were home. It was a very chill day. I don't think they got pulled themselves out of bed until nine or 10 o'clock. And same idea. We did the presents. We hung out. We played with our new guests. We had a big meal and 
collapsed into bed at the end of the day. So it was a, it was a great day. Thanks. Yeah. And I, I'm going to say that the holiday hacks, I, I, I'm batting maybe 50%. <laughs> I'm doing pretty well on the alcohol still. I have to say, you know, giving myself a soda water instead of the alcohol, but boy, the cheese plate, it just keeps coming back to bite me. <laughs> yeah, it's the cheese. The cheese has been my vice this Christmas for sure. I've yeah. managed, I've done pretty well with the cookies. My wife makes amazing cookies and I have managed to do pretty well with those. My son, oh God, that kid is so great. My son, I can't remember where it came from. I think my wife got an M dot cookie cutter. And so my son made a bunch of gingerbread M dot cookies for me and I've been making my way through them slowly. But oh, the cheese, that's awesome. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. we cheese, had a, we had a huge a chocolate peppermint cake on Christmas Day, and and I think Steve and I ate an entire quiche between the two of us on Christmas morning. So it hasn't been great, but here we are, you know, almost the end of the holidays. We're That's right. There. We're going to make it to the new year, and we'll discuss we we'll discuss we New Year's resolutions uh, when we get through this segment. But first, we have uh, a topic to discuss, and and what is it that we have on tap for today? Absolutely. So, sort of on the on the. <laughs> Uh, if we can milk this uh, metaphor, you know, to be awake and alive for the new year, one of our questions uh, from our listeners came about coffee and this one coffee company in particular called Long Run Coffee, which makes a bunch of promises on its website about how their coffee grind essentially is infused with electrolytes, which if you mix your electrolytes with your coffee, you are better fueled and better prepared for your next long workout. So we looked into this and I'll let you take it from there, Jeff, including some of the claims that these folks make on their website. Yeah. And I think we have to always uh, take into consideration the slickness of the website, because as we've talked about before, one of the red flags is uh, how slick the website looks. I think, you know, I think if a, if a website features 8-bit animation, it's probably going to have the stuff that works the best. <laughs> if it looks like Wreck-It Ralph, it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 no, true. this website is uh, very, very nice looking and uh, makes a lot of interesting claims. We, we all know now we, ha we have discussed caffeine in the past and the benefits of caffeine. And there's no question that caffeine does provide performance benefits with what the folks at Long Run Coffee and the uh, founder of this stuff was himself a, a runner. He, he continues to be a runner. And uh, they say that the coffee is supposed to make your long run that much better by imbibing this brew. They do, however, make a point to be sure to capture all endurance athletes. They say it's great for whatever kind of endurance sport you do. And I want to take a moment just to really give credit to one of our listeners who reached out to me, Stuart Pittman. He's a pharmacist who lives in Indiana. And he had reached out to me several months ago and told me, hey, if you ever need some help with pharmacy or drug interaction or any kind of research related to pharmaceutical type of research that he was willing to help. And he really was a tremendous uh, benefit to um, myself and my interns as we were working on this particular subject. Stuart sent me a ton of research that he did. I just asked a simple question because one of the claims that they make on Long Run's website is that these electrolytes somehow increase the bioavailability of caffeine. And if that was true, that would be a really big deal. Now, I know from my own experience working in medicine that caffeine is added to a lot of drugs. For example, if you think about Excedrin, Excedrin is a, a typical headache remedy that you can buy over the counter. And basically all it is, is it's a mixture of aspirin, the 
dr- the trade name that Bayer has for acetylsalicylic acid or ASA. And it's a mixture of ASA and caffeine. And we know that when you add caffeine to a lot of different types of medications, caffeine enhances the bioavailability of other medications. And you and I discussed bioavailability when we talked about NAD recently. Bioavailability just means that a medication is absorbed. More of it is absorbed. It's absorbed more rapidly. And then more of it becomes available within the bloodstream either because it, it, it bypasses the liver or just because you've absorbed more of it, the same percentage gets through the liver, but because there's more absorbed, more of it gets to where it needs to go in order to exert its effect. So if this idea that adding electrolytes to your coffee increased the bioavailability of caffeine, then yeah, you'd get a bigger boost, you would get a bigger effect from the caffeine. Well, we could find absolutely zero evidence that suggested this was true. There, there's no caffeine doesn't enhance the absorption of electrolytes, and electrolytes do not enhance the absorption of caffeine. And they have, to their credit, long run, has quite a few references on their website, but none of the references actually back up what they're saying. They have a a sentence in one of their one of their claims that says something that, you know, their their electrolyte blend is somehow more bioavailable than an alternative blend of electrolytes. They also say something about electrolytes increasing bioavailability, all these things. And then if you look at their research and actually go to their research, the research doesn't actually back anything up that they're claiming. So then the next question becomes, well, what are you getting in the coffee? Because they suggest that electrolytes are important for performing exercise. And this is, of course, we know 100% true. As you run, you sweat, you lose electrolytes. And topping up maybe with electrolytes before you go out for a run with your cup of coffee, why not? That sounds like a decent idea. Well, what are they giving us? Well, they're giving us some sodium in the form of sodium bicarbonate. But how much are they giving us? Not a whole lot. Something like 19 milligrams, I think. I think that's what I read. Let me go to their website. I want to make sure I'm getting this right. It wasn't a huge amount. Let's see, go to their coffee, and there are several types of the coffee that they make. Many of them are flavored. They they all t- seem to have the same amount of electrolytes in each of them. And what they say is they provide sodium that is important for muscle contraction, muscle performance, and joint movement. I, I can tell you that sodium is, while important as an electrolyte, has very little to do with any of those things. Sodium does not play much of a role in muscle contraction. That's much more of a calcium thing. Certainly nothing to do with muscle performance and joint movement. Potassium for fluid retention, hydration support, and muscle control. Potassium actually has nothing to do with fluid retention. That's sodium. Hydration support, I don't even know what that means. Muscle control. (laughs) I'm not really sure. Calcium for bone health, yes, that is true, but not in the amounts that they're providing. I'll get back to that in a second. Muscle contraction, yes, that one is true. You do need calcium for muscle contraction. And then calcium for hormone regulation. Not really sure where that's coming from. And then magnesium for lactate reduction, muscle recovery, and digestion improvement. Okay, we know that magnesium helps with improving or reducing constipation, for example, but again, not in the amounts that they're providing. As far as lactate reduction and muscle recovery, I don't know where that's coming from. So how much are they giving you? Well, if you take one cup of coffee, you are going to get 75 milligrams of sodium bicarbonate, which is not very much, 175 milligrams of potassium gluconate, 
13 milligrams, one three, that's uh, 3% of the recommended daily allowance of calcium in the form of calcium citrate, and then an entire 12 milligrams of magnesium citrate, which is 1% of the recommended daily allowance. You're getting almost nothing in a cup of this coffee in terms of the amount of electrolytes that uh, you need on a daily basis, and you're paying quite a bit. This coffee costs $29 for 12 ounces of ground coffee. Compare that to, I don't know, I mean, I buy, I'm a coffee snob, I admit it. I buy pretty expensive coffee. I pay on the order of something like, I think we pay $12 or $13 for a pound of coffee. So we're Mm -hmm. paying about half as much for a pound, and this is $30 for three quarters of a pound. So that's not inexpensive for for something that's not actually doing what they say it's going to do. Now, I will say that if you're looking for a really unique gift for an endurance athlete friend in your life, the design of their bags and the names of their products are very are, are beautiful. The bags are beautiful. The <laughs> so if you're looking for sort of that boutique one-off gift, you know, the long run, which is one of their is their dark roast um, or junk miles, which is their medium roast. I mean, that's funny. Like, I might buy a bag and give it to someone as a secret Santa gift, if, since we're at that time of year. But in terms of, you know, spending that much money for a bag of coffee for what we're seeing or we're, we're suggesting is there's no benefit, I think I'm sticking to my Pete's ground that I get at Safeway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I think that's, that's a really good way to kind of, you know, put a bow on it and sort of say, hey, you know, this is this is what it could be good for, but to suggest that it does any of the things that they claim it does, I think is is generally, shall we say, exaggerating or embellishing what it actually is going to do. And I think that we we were not able to find anything that supported any of their claims, which is all too frequently the case. I'm not really sure why they charge so much for their coffee. Just the electrolytes themselves shouldn't add that much. The packaging is lovely, as you mentioned, and they Mm -hmm. are a small company, so they probably don't have the economy of scale. So I'm guessing that uh, they're just having to source their coffee in a higher amount. Now, maybe something also about the production. I guess they're not just sort of sprinkling the the (laughs) magnesium citrate and you know potassium gluconate over this stuff. So I don't know. There's probably something to do with how it's made. And but yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe if they're successful, their prices will come down and. If you want to add a little bit of salt to your own coffee, you could do that for a lot cheaper than I was what gonna they're say, charging. Can't you see the genesis of this idea? It's like pouring coffee in from the pot, sprinkling a little Gatorade in there <laughs> or scratch or some yeah. other electrolyte, right? Base salt and be like, hey, this is a yeah. great product idea. Let's do this. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, you know, I, I'm hopeful that in 24, we're going to come across some more products that we can uh, review and actually find some merit and and make some suggestions that, hey, you know what, this is actually something that that we suggest and recommend because I, it's not like I like reviewing all these things and finding that they're kind of not very helpful or very useful. I mean, I'm glad to save my listeners from having to go and spend that money themselves. But at the same time, it would be nice to, to be able to, to, to find some things that are being advertised that actually have merit because, hey, I'm an athlete too, and I want to find things that work and, and help us race and tra- you know train and recover better. So I don't know. I think, you're, yeah, I think you're kind of hitting out of the park, Jeff. I mean... 2022 was the year of spirulina. 
2023 was the year of tart cherry juice. I and mean, we got one a year. So it's true. <laughs> so what is it? 52, 27. What do we do? 26 episodes a year. You know, you're, you're, you're one out of 26. <laughs> yeah. It's not, you're, you're, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. We can hope for some, some new development. And, and of course, this gives me the chance to remind all of you that a lot of these ideas come from you guys. So yes. if uh, you come across something that you are interested in knowing the truth about, is it something that you should be spending time or money on? Please do send it to us. You can do so by joining the private Facebook group and dropping a uh, question in there. Or you can send me an email at tri underscore doc at iCloud.com. Juliet, do you have uh, plans for the new year? Are you going to be spending any time developing resolutions? We do have plans for the new year. I live in a small town about an hour outside Portland, Oregon. And tragically, our 4th of July fireworks this year, they put on a really good 4th of July fireworks, was canceled because the day before a forest fire started just on the other side of the river. And so it just wasn't the right time to have fireworks displayed. And so they saved all those fireworks. And so now we're having it on New Year's Eve, which is great. And we can see them from our window. And it's at eight o'clock, which is like perfect. because We don't have to stay up too late instead of, you know, in the summer, it gets dark a lot later. So win-win for everybody. And my two sons will be here with their significant others, which is awesome. First time ever. So we're going to have a little New Year's Eve dinner and fireworks here. So I'm really looking forward to that. In terms of New Year's resolutions, I mean, we've chatted about this before. I don't, I'm not a big New Year's resolutions person because I feel like if you're only making them once a year, you're not really working on the things that you should be working on. However, having said that, we are resolving once again in 2024 to work a little bit less, socialize a little bit more. And I made a move towards that just an hour ago by inviting some people over to dinner on January 9th. So we are getting on it for 2024 already. What about you, Jeff? Oh, that's great. That's great. I love that. No major plans. My daughter is still here visiting from university and does not go back until the end of the first week. So I will be up hopefully in the mountains in Breckenridge to celebrate the new year. Breckenridge also does not do fireworks in the summer. They used to every July 4th, but of course, because of forest fire risk, that does not tend to happen. They have done fireworks at New Year's, and I have to check and see if they're doing them. It's really, really pretty when they do the fireworks against the backdrop the of, the, yeah. of the mountain with the snow and everything. So I, I'm hopeful that they'll do that again. And as far as resolutions go, I'm like you. I, I, I was not surprised and yet at the same time disappointed to see the percentage of people that stick with resolutions through the first week. It's so incredibly low. And I wonder how much of that is just because people make resolutions that are just not doable. Uh, a lot of times those resolutions are things like giving up an addiction, like I'm going to stop right. smoking, right? I mean, right. that's just not something that is, is easy to do. And then how many of those other things are big lifestyle changes? Oh, I'm going to I'm going to start exercising or I'm going to give up sweets or, or whatever it is. I mean, those, those are things that are, that are kind of baked in and just to flip a switch on one day just seems so difficult. I, I do like that Iron Man is having like kind of a commitment day on January 1st. I think that's kind of a, an interesting kind of ploy, ploy, if you will, gambit to, to get people to sign up for races early. And we all know, as I spoke at the in the introduction of this episode, about the struggles that uh, long course triathlon is facing in terms of having signups. I, I hope that is successful in getting people to commit at a time when they are more likely than not to actually do so. And 
Right. Who knows? Maybe those people will need a coach and they can think of us at LifeSport, right? (laughs) That's right. Exactly. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. But no, I don't do resolutions myself because I think that if you're going to make a change, you should do so at the time and not put it off till January 1st when you're less likely to actually follow through with it. So I'm like you. I think we're both at an age where I think life is precious and you, you, if, if something's important enough to do, you don't put it off. You do it right then and there and you make those changes because they're important to be done and because they have an impact not just on you, but on others. And so, but, but I, I, I give all props to people who do make New Year's resolutions and, and who, especially those who are going to be committed to stick to them. And I think that we should definitely encourage people who are thinking of doing a resolution such as getting into better shape, eating better, trying to better themselves in any way. I, I, I 100% encourage that. And, and we are here to support you in whatever way we can. Yeah, totally agree with that. And I think, you know, resolutions can fall into a number of different categories. And um, whether you put a date on the calendar, or whether you just work on them, you know, sort of year round, there's the sort of, I will drink less, eat better, exercise more, lose weight, whatever. Like that's, I sort of see that as one category of resolutions, if you will. And then, you know, the other mm-hmm. is, which is, sort of where I fall, the ones I fall more into is, these are the things I know I don't do well as a human being and just waking up every morning and before I put my feet on the floor saying, today, I'm going to do better at whatever it is, saying thank you, you know, showing my husband I appreciate him, um, calling my parents more often, like those types of things, like just every day sort of showing a little bit of resolve about just being a better person, whatever that looks like. But yes, 100%, whatever we're working on, we're all working on something. And um Let's just get after it, whether it's January 1 or any time throughout 2024. Yeah. Well, it's been so much fun expanding this segment to include you, Juliet. I've really enjoyed the last several months of uh, doing the medical mailbag, and I'm really looking forward to continuing the fun in 2024. Thank you, Jeff. Me too. I've loved every minute of it, and I really look forward to these sessions. So thanks for involving me. And just a quick note to listeners, uh, I am going to be out of the country for the first couple of weeks of January, so the next episode will not feature a new segment, but uh, we will be back at the end of January for the second episode of 2024. The next episode that will air on January, I believe the 13th, is going to be a rerun of the most, excuse me, it's going to be January the 8th will be the next episode. That is going to be a rerun of the most popular episode in terms of downloads and listens that I have ever produced. And that's going to be the nutrition episode that featured dietitians Alex Larson and Celine Evans. So you can have a look for that in your feed on uh, January the 8th. Share that with somebody who maybe is having a resolution about eating better. That's a, a perfect one to, uh, to listen to. And share that with someone who might be interested in becoming a new subscriber to the TriDog Podcast. Juliet, it's been an absolute pleasure. I wish you all the best for 2024. I look forward to uh, a lot more fun conversations coming up next year. And to you, Jeff. Thanks so much. My guest on the podcast today is likely not someone who many have heard of, but I am hopeful that I can be a part of changing that narrative because he has a lot to say, and it is all for a very important cause. Dave Lowry is an age-group triathlete who lives in Perth, Australia. He is married and has four children. He often refers to his family as the Brady Bunch, as he was remarried, and the resulting mixed family has children that range in age from 4 to 24. 
Sadly, last year, Dave lost his brother Damo to suicide, so he decided to do an Ironman on a BMX in his honor and to raise awareness for mental health. I came across Dave's story and the story of him riding that very BMX bike in the Ironman that took place in Busselton, which is south of Perth, just last month. I found that story in an online triathlon publication and knew straight away that I wanted to have him on as a guest. And thanks to the wonders of social media, I was able to get in touch with his sister, who connected me with him, and here we are. Dave, welcome to the TriDoc Podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks. Great to be talking with you today. I I want to begin first just with your own personal history in triathlon. I know you've been in the sport for quite a long time. Why don't you tell the listeners how you got involved and what you've done in triathlon over the years? Like most people in WA, we have a connection to the mining industry. Um, there's lots of mining happening in Western Australia, and we lived for a long time in the Southwest Coal Mine, um, which is about two and a half hours south of Perth. So I did a lot of my early growing up down there in, in Collie, Western Australia, a great part, part of the world. And when I was in first year high school, my sports teacher got me interested in triathlon. So he was uh, into triathlon and had done an Ironman before, and he sort of suggested, why don't I come down and joined the tri- local tri club for a, for a try down at the river. And I guess that was the start of it. So at the time I was 13 and I've probably done you know, close to 200 triathlons since then across varying distances from the sprint tries from half Ironman um, and ultimately through to the, the Ironman triathlon, first one in 2004. So yeah, sort of started, I guess, my, I guess an early mentor in my high school teacher and yeah, grew into a, I guess, somewhat of an obsession from there. So lucky enough to do triathlons all across the state in different areas, swimming pools, in the river, the ocean, you know, in creeks and lakes. It's, it's been amazing. Yeah. And I think like all of us uh, that are involved in any way in the sport, we understand the addictive nature of it. And uh, that's, that's a pretty long career from 13. That's amazing. How old are you now? Uh, 47. All right. So yeah, you've been at it for quite a long time. I, I often think about how I've been doing it now for over 20 years and think about how that's a long time in the sport. Well, you've definitely got me on that. For those of us who don't know, I've been to uh, the eastern part of Australia, as far south as Melbourne and as far north as Cairns. I'm not familiar with the climate in Perth. I'm actually looking at my map right now so I can see where Perth is located. Tell us about the climate in Perth. How how often can you train all year long or does it have more of a seasonal aspect to its weather? Yeah, that was a pretty moderate climate over here in Western Australia. So we, it's pretty dry sort of heat, not a lot of rainfall over here. So it's probably pretty ideal. I think probably the best example is I was lucky enough to do the Berlin Marathon uh, this year and we trained through winter. And I think there was probably two runs through the heart of winter that we had wet conditions. So it's not to say that it doesn't rain over here and we don't get wind, but typically the, the rain and wind comes through pretty quickly. So we are quite lucky here. With the conditions, there, there is a prevailing sea breeze that we get pretty much every day, um, which gets a bit strong in the afternoon. Um, but if you can sort of nose your rides to go into the wind and come home uh, with the wind behind you, it's always pretty good. But yeah, the conditions over here in Western Australia are perfect. And I think most people will have some uh, knowledge of the dangers of the ocean swimming. How, how much of that is a reality? Oh, look, it's always in the back of your mind over here. And I... I personally don't swim in the ocean solo. I, I love ocean swimming and we have some great ocean swims over here in WA, like the Rockness 21K open water swim. Happy to do it in a group of other swimmers, but yeah, there are some 
there are quite a few sharks that follow the whales up and down the coast. So <laughs> it's always in the back of your mind if you're out there by yourself. Yeah, a group swim, there's, there's strength in numbers, right? Or safety in numbers. Exactly. It takes some time to tell us about Damo. Uh, yeah, so Damo, so when we grew up in Collie, my, one of four siblings, so um, there was two, two girls and two boys, um, lived in a small house there, so I sort of shared a, a room growing up with Damo, and you know we, we were pretty close, there was three, three years difference between us, I'm three years older than Damo, and I guess growing up in that country environment, we spent quite a lot of time outdoors, we rode BMXs, and you know it was one of those sort of safe environments where kids can just get out whenever they want. Um, and enjoy nature. So I um, spent quite a lot of time with Damo um, when I was younger. Um, then obviously as you get older and, and you start to develop, develop relationships and then have your own relationships and marriages and so forth and, and your work, you know, you do um, you know, go your own way a little bit, but we're always very, very close. Damo worked in the media industry over here in, in Australia. So he did quite a lot of sound engineering work in the various news channels over here, sporting channels. Yeah, and was freelancing right up to the end. So very well connected within those groups, very much loved by everyone that sort of knew him or worked with him. Just a all around great guy, very supportive of me in terms of when I was doing the, particularly the, the early Ironman. I'm definitely got right behind it. He had to watch me, I guess at an early age, watch reruns of, of Kona. Um, and we got the half an hour sort of time slots come through in December every year. I used to record it on the VHS cassettes and play it over and over again. So I guess. Yeah, he was always part of that triathlon journey. And did he himself partake in the sport as well, or was he just a supporter? No, he was a smoker as a as a young guy. But um, so he wasn't really into the running and the riding. Um, but he he was right into his scuba diving. So it, it was a really weird scenario in that he wasn't such a fit guy on land, um, but underwater, I couldn't keep up with him. So it was uh, it was amazing. I'd chew through my air much faster than Damo and. He would be off chasing a crayfish and looking at fish. So, yeah, underwater he was like a fish, but yeah, on, on land he, he probably preferred a, a beer and a smoke. I read the story about how you came to choose to honor your brother with riding the yeah. BMX. Could you share that with my listeners? Because it's a great story. Yeah, so so I guess I started getting interested in Ironman racing through watching Kona and watching sort of some of my childhood heroes like Mark Allen. Never really thought I'd get the opportunity to do Ironman and because the Ironman was on the east coast of Australia in a place called Foster that's since moved to Port Macquarie. But then um, there was an announcement of the Bustleton Ironman event in 2004 and the, the first one and, and it was really a, a great opportunity and I thought, well, why not grab it? And so, yeah, as part of that story, Damo was behind me, supporting me all the way. Um, he was out there on the day at the finish line um, and we also then yeah went back that night to watch the the other competitors come across the line right up till midnight. So um, he was there having having lots of fun. Um, and then two years after that, the Australian Ironman moved from Foster up to Port Macquarie. So Damo was always interested in Ironman racing and, and just enjoyed being, I guess, around the finishing shoot. And I think he once said to me that there's there's nothing like you know the inspiration and feeling you get being on an Ironman finishing shoot, watching the pros and the age groupers come through. So we we travelled to Port Macquarie. To watch the inaugural Port Macquarie Australian Ironman, and um, we were out watching the bike course and, and watching all the time trial bikes go past. And Chris McCormack, I think, won that year. And he actually made a comment to me about, "Wouldn't it be amazing to, to see someone do this on a BMX bike?" And he was questioning whether it actually be allowed to do it, or 
you know, would you be able to finish it? And so, yeah, so I guess the, the idea of um, doing an Ironman came from, from Damo, I guess, back in, I think it was 2006, whilst watching the first um, Ironman Port Macquarie. So it was amazing. And at what point did you decide that this is how or this is what you were going to do to honor your brother? Oh, look, I, it's, it's one of those things you sort of, when you lose someone in the way that we did with Damo, you kind of, I mean, you ultimately want them back. You, you want them to, you, you do anything to get them back. And, you know, there's the reality that sets in after some time they're not coming back. And then you kind of go, well, how can we share Damo's story to help others? And I guess, you know, that, that sort of, Damo passed away in August last year. And so that was been on my mind for some time. And then, then late, Last year, I was just looking online and I saw that Mongoose had released a retro 19 sort of 80 style BMX bike. And it was kind of very similar to the bikes that we were riding at the time growing up in college. So I guess the, the idea of, I guess, seeing that bike and remembering my childhood with Damo and then I guess wanting to do something to, to share his story and to share, I guess, the importance about sort of mental health and looking after yourself and others when they're not feeling the best. So I guess it was a combination of, I guess, one day seeing that Mongoose Super Goose BMX online and I guess the other part wanting to do something, I guess, for, for Damo's honour. What were some of the challenges then that you faced when you were trying to train and, and even race on such a bike? Yeah, look, I think the first thing, when I saw the, the Mongoose Super Goose online, um, one of the things I noticed is it, it didn't have a break on both uh, front and back. So the first thing I did was actually reach out to Ironman West Australia to see whether it would actually be allowed to ride on the BMX in the event. And you know, they sort of looked into it and came back to me a couple of weeks later and said, look, um, that's fine. You just have to have two breaks. And they reminded me of the fact that um, there is actually a cutoff time on the bike. And uh, <laughs> they, they, weren't, they weren't too con confident you were going to be able to do it, I guess. <laughs> No, not at all. Um, and the other thing that they reminded me of was the fact that they, uh, their spare mechanic didn't carry spares for it for 20 inch wheels. So I'd have to carry all my own tires and, and tubes and so forth. So, um, I guess probably that was the, the first challenge. I guess then the other bit was that the bike itself, the gearing on it probably wasn't fast enough to be able to meet the cutoff time. So um, I had to take the bike once I bought it down to the a local bike mechanic and said to him, look, I need this thing to, potentially do 35 k's an hour top speed and you know i need to i guess to get the ride height a little bit higher so it feels a bit more like a, a road bike so so that was probably the, the the biggest challenge getting the bike right um, and then i guess from from a training perspective um i didn't have the bike actually ready until two weeks before the ironman so a lot of the training that i did was on a roller in the carport through winter and i used my my daughter's mountain bike because that kind of had the same sort of setup feel as, as the, the BMX. So, um, okay. Hang on, hang on. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. So, so when did you acquire the bike? The BMX? So I bought the bike. Yeah. So I bought the bike probably when was it? The Ironman was in December. So I bought the bike in September. Oh, so you, you really did cut it close. I thought maybe you bought it like a year in advance and it just took a really long time to modify it. So you, you cut it pretty close. Okay. Yeah. And your daughter, you said, now you have kids at age four to 24. Is this like your six-year-old daughter? Is it, how, old, how old is this daughter's bike that you were riding? Yeah, no, it was my, it was my daughter who was 21. So the, okay. the, the, the mountain bike had been sitting in the shed for probably six years unused. So I pulled it out, put it on the roller and 
yeah, I kind of felt very similar to the BMX. So tell us what modifications you made specifically. Obviously, you added a second brake, so now you had two brakes on the BMX bike. Did you add gearing? Is that is that how you made it faster? Yeah, I did. Yeah, so I took it to a, an amazing bike mechanic that we have here in Perth. His name's Aldo, and I, like I said, I, I said to him, "Look, I, this thing needs to go thirty-five k's now." Um, he does all sorts of weird modifications to bike, I and mean, he said, "No problem. I'll hold be able to have a look at that." So what he actually ended up doing was he he had to actually find new wheels to be able to put in a hub in the rear wheel that ended up with six gears in it. So interestingly, the the wheels that he found came from Florida and America. Um, because that was the only place where he knew he could find the wheels that would be able to fit the hub. And, yeah, he got the hub from Shimano in Taiwan. Um, that came across from there. And then he uh, manufactured the, the new seat from stem, um, to get the ride height. So I tried to keep it as original as possible, but, um, it did need the gearing to be able to make it go to the speed to be able to meet the cutoff. Um, and that meant, I guess, getting that rear hub in the back wheel. And then slick tires, I'm guessing. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. No, he said, "Look, I can, I can put some slick tires on there, and I can get them to ninety psi, and you know, hopefully that will get you your, your, your cutoff time." And were you carrying a flat kit just in case? Yeah, I was. Yeah, so I had to. So one of the wheels, the back wheel, didn't have quick release hubs, so I had to carry a crescent. I had to carry two tubes and some screwdrivers. So you know, and that that I had a because the BMX doesn't have the same carrying capacity as a road bike in terms of water bottles i ended up having two water bottles behind the back seat one of those was taken up by the toolkit and the other one was the bottle for the the hydration well that was my next question how did you manage hydration and nutrition because today's fancy bikes they have internal water bladders they have all kinds of storage i mean you i've seen the picture of you on this bike and i'll, I'll i think we have a link to it in the in the show notes but the the amount of stuff that most people carry in a triathlon now is legion. So how how are you getting by? Yeah, look, I had I ended up putting a waist belt around my waist um, under my singlet, and that was where all my gels were. Um, and luckily enough, on the on the Bustleton Ironman course, the aid stations on the bike are, are probably about every sort of five to ten kilometers. So um, there's plenty of aid stations there, and you know, I was exchanging the, the biddens, I guess, through every sort of second aid station. So I was able to sort of get the, uh, the hydration in. Um, so yeah, kind of meant a bit more work on the day, but um, yeah, I was able to get through it. So that is fortunate. That's a lot of aid stations. That's, that's pretty amazing. Yep. Did you keep the pegs on the, on the front fork? No, I didn't. No. And it's actually in- interesting that one of the reasons why it took so long to get built up was the, the actual th- I needed to put the clipless pedals on the crank arms and the thread depth of a standard BMX bike isn't the same as a road bike. So I had to, to try and find an adapter that would actually then uh, allow me to put the, the clipless pedals on. So, you know, that, that, that came literally two weeks before the, the start of the Ironman. So it probably only got its first proper ride, I think about nine or 10 days out. Wow. So how did that feel? I mean, the first time you go riding on it, are you? Are you like thinking to yourself, oh my God, what have I gotten myself into? Or did you feel like, oh wow, this is actually going to be okay? Yeah. Well, that, that's a good point. The day, I remember the day I picked the bike up from the bike mechanic shop and he was serving another customer and getting them tuned up on their new electric bike. And then he bought mine out and he said, look, go for a ride on it in the car park. And at that point, you don't know what to expect. He had a brief and 
Um, I knew he was a good bike mechanic. And then I went for a ride around the bike car park, bike shop car park, and it was just incredible. It just, I had this, I had this beaming grin from ear to ear because it just felt so amazing. So yeah, I knew the, I knew the bike was, it was pretty good. Um, and then I knew in that sort of last couple of weeks, I'd done the work on the rollers and, and just probably just needed to get used to the, the angles and the setup of the BMX, which is obviously quite different to a, a road bike. So tell us about the race itself. How, how did it go for you? How did you, you know, like, I, it's not a hilly course, so obviously that played to your favor, but how did you feel doing the race? Were you, it must have been emotional in a lot of ways. I want to hear what you remember about the day. Yeah, it was, it was an amazing day. I was supporting, I guess, a few local charities and one of them's called Are You Okay? So part of it was sharing the story about mental health. So I had those singlets on right from the start of the day and People had recognized the bike from the check-in, so it, it became a bit of a celebrity, I, get, I think, on, on Reddit um, overnight. So um, people were on the lookout for it. And, you know, it, I had a fantastic swim, the, the swim course down in Bustleton. It's in a big, massive bay, um, beautiful conditions. One of my best open water swims I've done. Um, then got out on the bike, and, and when I got to the bike, the Ironman Western Australia team were there with, with video cameras, and the commentators were sort of talking me out of the of water and onto the bike. So, and now I'm um, getting the crowd excited about me entering the, the bike course. And yeah, there's a massive cheer. And I, I remember sort of just riding out to these people, I guess, at the bike exit point, just cheering and yeah, wishing me all the best for the ride. And it was just, it was quite an amazing experience. Had my family there, my mum and dad were there and, and sisters and their, their family. That was just, I just, I think I remember this sense of just, this, again, this big, massive smile on my face, looking forward to the, the bike course. Yeah, and the, like you said, Bustleton is a, a very flat course. And it probably, I'm not sure what the actual vertical range is, but it, it might be 60 to 100 meters in total over the 180k. So very flat, um, great roads. And on the day, we had a, a bit of a strange breeze. It was a westerly breeze, which is a bit unusual for down there. And yeah, the first probably 30, 40k's, we had the wind straight behind us on nice, smooth roads. So it just felt incredible. And yeah, the, the bike course, I, I had sort of people on the side of the road cheering the bike and yeah, looking shocked as I was riding past in this sea of 3000 time trial bikes. And, and that was amazing to get that support from the sideline. But I guess probably the, one of the biggest things was the other competitors. So obviously I had a lot of people coming past me on the day and I guess just the, the people giving me the support, people sort of asking me why I was doing it on a BMX bike, people that had read the story and the backstory about Damo. Um, yeah, it was quite, quite, quite amazing. The triathlon um, environment feels like a very close community. And I, I certainly felt on that bike course that the actual community sort of got behind me, which was, which was amazing. So really enjoyed it. So had a, had a great, had a great bike, bike leg. I'm probably not designed for bike riding. I'm probably better designed for running. I was, I was really looking forward to the run, but I guess the, the, the back end of the run caught up with me a little bit. The last two laps were a bit tough on the run course, but yeah, managed to get home just after dark before they started handing out the glow sticks, which was a bit of a goal of mine. You know, I finished in just over 12 hours. So yeah, it was an amazing day. Wow. Well, what was your bike time? Uh, so the bike time was about six hours 30. So I think the, the bike averaged 27 Ks an hour. So on the Well, course, you so. showed Ironman Western Australia, didn't you? <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, no, like I said, I think, I think having that support, it's amazing. Amazing having that support on the side of the road and from other competitors, how much you, that spurs you on. And I think, yeah, that made a big difference. I thought I could average 20, 25 Ks an hour. So I think the extra two Ks came from the other competitors around me, which was great. 
That that is really incredible. Well, what, what's next for you in triathlon? Uh, I'm not sure. I think the the mongoose super goose is going to have a, a bit of a break. Yeah, I did it. Did a great job. So look, I think for now, I think it was 19 years between Ironman races, and, and I'd, I'd tell people now when they ask me what's next on the run course, I ran past this guy and had a chat to him. He was 84 years old. I'm doing an Ironman and he qualified for, for Kona for next year and he's going, so he's going to be 85. I'm sort of 47. So if you look at that sort of 19 years, maybe there's another one in me. I'm not sure. Look, I think I've followed Ironman racing for a long time, followed Kona, those very A-formative days, watching Mark Allen win, win his sixth Ironman events. The dream would always be to do Hawaii Ironman in, in Kona. You never know, never. But, you know, the, the, the mongoose super goose have to go a bit faster than what it did to be able to qualify for that. <laughs> if you fast forward, I don't know, a year or two down the road, what would you like the legacy of this episode to be for you and for Damo? All of, I think the biggest thing for me is unfortunately with Damo, we didn't know his personal struggles. So it was a, it was a real shock to us um, when he passed away. Um, so I guess the, the legacy for me and, and uh, the are you okay? raising that we did was AOK is all about having better conversations with people that might be struggling and you know how can you as someone who's not a professional that deals with mental health every day you know ask the right questions of people that may be struggling yeah I guess um for me it's sharing that message that it's okay not to be okay and that if you're not feeling all right reach out to the the ones around you the ones that love you the most because they'll they'll build a protective wall of love that will, will keep you safe so I think if, if we can look at it two years down the track, if, if people are having those conversations with others around them, whether it be family or other members in the triathlon community, then yeah, to me, that's, that's a big win. Well, it's a lovely story and a lovely sentiment, and I can't think of a better way to end off the holiday period, to end off 2023, and to, to have that kind of hopeful message as we head into 2024. Dave, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today and sharing this really terrific story. I think that what you did, what how you did it is is really remarkable. And I'm so glad I was able to reach you. Special thanks to your sister, Fiona, who I reached out to and just cold called on Facebook and was able to connect us. So please give her my regards. Dave Lowry is a age group triathlete. He lives in Perth, Western Australia. He raced the Bustleton Ironman very recently, which is also known as Ironman Western Australia. He did that on a modified BMX bike and he did so to honor his brother, Damo, who he lost to suicide in 2022. Dave Lowry, thank you so much for joining me on the TriDog Podcast and a happy new year to you. Thank you. And to you too. Have a great holiday. And that's it for another episode. The TriDog Podcast is produced and edited by me, Jeff Sankoff, along with my interns. I'm Agent Johnson. This is Special Agent Johnson. Oh, how you doing? No relation. I'm, uh... I'm Jeff Sankoff, uh, the, the Tri-Doc. I'm in charge here. Not anymore. Those interns are Ian Johnson and Ben Johnson. You can find the show notes for everything discussed on the show today, as well as archives of previous episodes at tridocpodcast.com. Do you have questions about any of the issues discussed on this episode, or do you have a question that you'd like for me to consider answering on a future episode? Send me an email at tri underscore doc at icloud.com, or... Join the private TriDoc Podcast Facebook group on Facebook, and you can submit your questions there. 
If you're interested in coaching services, please visit try.coaching.com or lifesportcoaching.com, where you can find a lot of information about me and the services that I provide. You can also follow me on the TriDark Podcast Facebook page, TriDark Coaching on Instagram, and the TriDark Coaching YouTube channel. If you enjoyed this podcast, I hope that you'll consider leaving me a rating and a review, as well as subscribe to the show wherever you download it. And of course, there's always the option of becoming a supporter of the podcast at patreon.com forward slash podcast. The music heard at the beginning and the end of the show is radio by Empty Hours and is used with permission. This song and many others like it can be found at ReverbNation.com, where I hope that you'll visit and give small independent bands a chance. The TriDoc Podcast will be back again soon with another medical question for me to answer and another interview with someone in the world of multisport. Until then, remember 1121 and train hard, train healthy.